0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon. Well, it was a stunning defeat, unprecedented in Canadian politics. Yesterday, members of the NDP voted to dump their leader, Thomas Mulcair, the man who looked like he would become our next Prime Minister at the start of the last election campaign. Well, that campaign, campaign, of course, did not go well for the party. It ended in third place, and now the search is on for a new leader amid what looks like a deep division inside the NDP. So what does it mean for that party and for the country as a whole? With both opposition parties looking for new leaders, is this giving Justin Trudeau a free ride? I want to hear from you. The numbers, of course... 416 3600740 or toll free 1 866 740 4740. But first, we talk with Robin Sears, a marketing and communications expert and political strategist with the Earnscliffe Group. Robin was national director of the NDP for seven years, where he directed four national campaigns, and he was also Premier Bob Ray's chief of staff. I had him on the line in Ottawa. Robin Sears, thanks for joining us.
2: Good to be here. How are you?
1: Oh, excellent. Uh, so, a stunning result. Were you surprised?
2: Yeah, I think anybody who pretends they weren't is lying. <laughs> it was It <laughs> Not predicted by anyone to be this dramatic a decision.
1: And do you think it was the right thing?
2: I wasn't enthusiastic about it in advance. I was among those who said, let's wait a couple of years but on reflection, I guess they've come up with a pretty clever um, compromise in the sense that Tom will remain the leader and representing the party in the House, etc., while the leadership campaign unrolls. And somewhere between a year and 18 months from now, they'll, they'll have a new leader. So in a way, I guess it's the best of both worlds, um, but it certainly was surprising.
1: It's the best of both worlds because he's so good in the House?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I was very nervous about what uh, the party would do in the event they decided uh, that he had to go and he left immediately because it wasn't obvious that there were many people who could be uh, a very uh, influential, let alone uh, dominant uh, opposition figure other than Tom.
1: And did he have to be convinced to stay or was that his idea?
2: I do not know. Uh, it was announced so quickly that I have to assume it was uh, the product of uh, some prior discussion among some of the folks involved, but uh, I, I don't know the answer to that.
1: And so I'm assuming from what you said that you voted uh, for Tom?
2: I didn't vote, uh, and I, if I had, I probably would have voted for Tom, yeah. I was of that sort of older person consensus, I guess, of... Among uh, New Democrat supporters that he deserved a chance to demonstrate that he could make the changes necessary, but the party decided otherwise.
1: Now, it seems like there's this very deep ideological division over climate change. You have people who say "No pipelines, we have to wean ourselves off fossil fuel." And then you have the Alberta wing, which is in power now that says, "Wait a minute, folks, we have an economy."
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a little overblown, if I may, Libby. I mean, I'm old enough to remember um, the left caucuses of the NDP uh, occasionally acquiring some prominence in the days of the waffle and, and other occasions. Um, the majority of the party understands that the the Notley government is doing what any progressive government in Canada has to do, which is to make a, a transition away from fossil fuel that doesn't endanger either jobs or the economy. Uh, I don't think this leap into uh, political irrelevance is likely to go very far.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, was the problem that Tom Mulcair took the party too far to the center and the Liberals were actually more left than the NDP?
2: I don't frame it that way so much as in terms of caution and risk. Libby. I, I think that um, one of the, the sort of uh, maxims of political management is that there's nothing riskier than a low-risk campaign if what you're trying to do is to avoid ever taking tough decisions or being put in a position uh, of demonstrating a risk. And I'm afraid that's what happened to Mulcair and the NDP more than any ideological division. The liberals, to their credit, took a big risk on announcing the deficit spending. Um, I don't think that was a um, a progressive initiative, selling your soul to the bond market, isn't necessarily left <laughs> or right. It's just dumb. Um, but I do think that they were they were brave and bold in the way they framed their their campaign offer, and the NDP was too cautious. Uh,
1: and uh, was a lot of it personal? I mean, uh, he seemed to he's great in the house, but he seemed to have trouble, you know, making that kind of a connection with people.
2: I think that's a fair comment. I mean, what I have often said is that the Democrats, because they can't look forward to many election victories when they're assessing their leader, they really have to love that person because they're accepting their performance on a different measure than celebration on election night. And if they only respect you as opposed to love you, then it's hard for that connection to survive electoral defeats. And in addition to that, uh, both Jack Layton and and Tom Mulcair, for the very first time, set the bar very high. They wanted to win government. And so, in some respects, he suffered uh, a judgment on a test that he himself had set.
1: Well, it was very high expectations. But remember, at the beginning of the election campaign, the polls made it look like he might well be the next prime minister.
2: And I think that's a very important thing for the party not to forget, which is that Tom did take the party for the first time in its history into a position of national contention uh, for a period of time that included uh, a long chunk of what would have been a normal length of election campaign. We just had one that was twice as long as normal. Uh, And for that he deserves enormous credit. Um, The NDP has never previously been able to claim that it was the considered choice of a plurality of Canadians to govern Canada. And once they've, they've seen that bar, I think the determination of a majority of the activists in Edmonton is that they're not going to give up that dream. They're going to fight to get back to that place.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of this is people looking south of the border, looking at Bernie Sanders, an avowed socialist in the United States of all places, and thinking, you know, we need our own Bernie?
2: I'm sure that is an enthusiasm of some people. It's not mine. Um, I don't find Mr. Sanders' claims of credibility uh, as a president of the United States to be very compelling. Um, I think you know, his bad weeks uh, recently in trying to explain how he's going to break up the U.S. financial system and create free tuition and universal health care and not raise taxes um, have raised some eyebrows fairly
1: hmm So well, you don't think that your party is looking for another Bernie?
2: Oh, I think some New Democrats are, no doubt about that. But I, I hope they can be dissuaded from that enthusiasm because, you know, like Jeremy Corbyn or Michael Foote or any of the other darlings of the far left and democratic socialist parties around the world, it always ends in tears if you support them. Uh,
1: interesting. Some people say that one of the reasons that Canada's politics aren't as polarized, say, as they are in the States is because there's a really strong third party. Is is, is that in danger now because everything is up in the air? Uh,
2: well, I agree with the first part of the question, but not the second. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Americans are unique among the advanced democracies in only having two major parties, and it's not a good idea, as we are observing in their campaigns in the u.s. this year where each party is basically struggling through a civil war internally while trying to mount a general election campaign offer and that's a product of trying to cram the entire political spectrum into two organizations it just doesn't fit every other democracy has you know four five six seven parties because there are many different flavors of democratic value and choice and i think in canada we're not likely to go below four or five ever ourselves Uh, and and that's just realistic in terms of the, the spectrum of ideas that people have. You can't force everybody under two-tenths. Uh,
1: but with with two party leaderships in question, um, have we just handed Justin Trudeau another mandate?
2: Well, it depends entirely on what the party's des- decisions are, doesn't it? I mean, if uh, the Tories come up with a, an impressive leader and so does the NDP, the answer is no if they uh, indulge their uh, their most uh, uh, tribal fantasies, you know, libertarian conservatives and super left-wing uh, New Democrats, yes, the liberals will be smiling. I rather doubt that either party would be so silly.
1: But how often is a new leader? I mean, usually they lose their first election, do they not?
2: No, I don't think that's true. Mr. Mulroney didn't. Uh, Mr. Kretchen didn't. Mr. Trudeau didn't. Um, no, I, I think it's conceivable entirely that uh, one of the two new opposition leaders could become the next prime minister. I grant that the odds are are against it and that Canadians typically like to give their governments two swings at bat. But uh, uh, remember, Pierre Trudeau, uh, our current prime minister's father, uh, was reelected the very first time by less than 2,000 votes across Canada.
1: Finally, um, who do you think are likely leadership candidates?
2: No idea. <laughs> okay,
1: let me let me. Uh, uh, Olivia Chow. No. Um, Andrew Cash. Possibly. Peggy Nash. Possibly. Uh, let's see who else. Um, you don't. You have no idea. No. I, no I,
2: favorites. I, I don't have any favorites, and I'm I'm frankly delighted that the party has given itself as long as eighteen months to make the decision because it will allow some people who may not be on anybody's A-list right now to emerge as potentials and others who think they have potential to demonstrate that they shouldn't. So uh, I think everybody should just be patient and watch carefully how the process unfolds. I'm confident that uh, several serious candidates will emerge and the party will make its judgment.
1: Okay. Robin Sears, thanks so much. Good to talk. Great to talk to you.
2: Thanks. Bye.
1: Bye. Okay, so I'm going to give you the numbers again because I want to hear from you on this and whether you're a new Democrat or not. I think this affects all of us. The numbers 416-3600740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Adrian Batra.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. And we are talking about the dumping of NDP leader Thomas Mulcair, a stunning defeat, unprecedented in Canadian history. I'd like to hear your opinions. The numbers 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And in the meantime, for her perspective, we go to Toronto Sun editor-in-chief Adrian Batra. Hi, Adrian.: Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Now you obviously are someone who is on the other side of the spectrum, uh, more to the right side. so yeah. what does this mean for people who are not NDP supporters??
3: Well, this is a really interesting development, um, you know, just sort of a little bit of a history for your for your listeners, Libby. Like, I've sat across an editorial board table from Thomas Mulcair, and I had, you know, a great admiration, great respect for him. Um, I think that his dumping over the weekend was certainly something that came as a bit of a surprise to him and his team. But Basically, moving forward, this is the best news possible for the liberals, because now they can claim the, the political territory, as, as it were, for, for the so-called left in this country. Um, bad news for conservatives, because even if we go back, you know, for how many elections, for, in order for conservatives to either win or do very well, you need a strong NDP. You still sort of need that social democratic view um, in this country being pushed. Now that, that basically doesn't exist. This party's in array uh, in disarray now. Um, not, not dissimilar to what happened to the liberals a number of years ago. Not dissimilar to what, you know, the, not necessarily the conservatives aren't in disarray, but, you know, finding a new leader. But this is, um, this is quite a defining moment, I think, for, for new Democrats in this country. And, and I don't think it's necessarily
1: a good thing. Okay. Adrian, let's take a call. We've got Ralph in Barry. Hi, Ralph.
4: Good morning. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, NDP made a real strategic uh, screw up in getting ready to. Tom here. He's the only one who has the knowledge and who, who can articulate uh, uh, the ideas, especially in the House. I'm not sure uh, if they come out with a loony left, uh, and I have probably a vested interest in this. If they come out with a loony left. That's going to uh, give the Liberals a uh, 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 right think they They'll win the next election, hands down. We mm-hmm. certainly need a, a, good, a strong NDP in order to uh, uh, get power. And, uh, I'm, uh, I was hoping that uh, Maxine Bernier would uh, come out the winner in that contest, and I'm just looking forward to see who he brings into the swearing in ceremony.
1: What? He's, he's running for the Conservatives. Are you a member of the NDP? No, no. No. You're a Conservative. Um,
4: Yes, yes. I said I would uh, love to see Maxime Bernier come through because I just can't wait to see who he brings to the swearing-in ceremony.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Ra- Do you remember
4: the last? <laughs> yes.
1: Okay, Ralph. Thanks for your call. <laughs> well, you know, Ralph makes some interesting points, specifically.
3: Um, you know, he's t- touching on the the whole Quebec uh, wing, and I'll just pick up on that for a moment because. Even if we go back to when Jack Layton had that big orange crush in 2011, and they went from third-party status to storn away in the official opposition status, um, the, some of the things that Jack Layton talked about, Livy, were very moderate, principled values, and talking about things like balancing budgets, being more of a fiscally responsible, I mean, things that maybe you didn't hear the CCF back in the day talk about, or the, the in, you know the new NDP, but that is sort of... Where you'd get elected? I mean,
1: Canadians aren't extremely left wing. I, I had um, well, the the, uh, the Liberals certainly didn't talk about that, and it it they they were elected. Yeah,
3: I I know. Um, but you know th- that I think was a larger function of just an abject rejection of of Stephen Harper, rather than just you know uh, of, of accepting of a principle. You know, I think the Conservatives lost, and, and and that was that was just you know where the country was moving, but. I had an, an opinion uh, editorial in the paper a few weeks ago from the NDP MPP Sherry Denovo, mm-hmm. and basically what she was suggesting is embracing the sort of Bernie Sanders esque type of extreme left wing values. That that's what the modern day NDP needs to look like. But this is this is what is interesting about some of the things that Thomas Mulcair said in his speech yesterday, and I picked up on it. M- the most is that he kept saying over and over again, "We need to be a modern, united NDP." And they they put out this leap manifesto for for your listeners. It's yes,
1: this, yes, it's this
3: ex- extraordinarily um, radical. Sense of you know where our country should be. And this is what they want to be their doctrine.
1: I, I mean- well that's, that's what some of them, and it looks like um, you know our, our previous guest, Robin Sears, who is a member of the NDP, yeah, um, said he hopes they don't win the day and that perhaps too much has been made of the division. But there definitely is a, a division uh, between a portion of them that want to take the party further left. Maybe mm-hmm. hoping to get a Bernie Sanders type person or uh, versus those who want to be moderate those who are who are in charge of the, the Alberta economy for one thing, so uh, I guess like we have to see where that plays out
3: well, I think absolutely, but if you look at the contrast of the speeches that were presented over the weekend at the convention in Edmonton, you heard from the NDP Alberta premier Rachel Notley, and she. She implored her federal counterparts that not building pipelines, not developing our resources, and letting that stuff stay in the ground is just not realistic for the future of Alberta's economy and for Canada's economy. She made an impassioned, very non-NDP plea. It seems to me that it fell on deaf ears because the party is just, you know, they they are, are very much prepared to steer so far to the left that... Um, any reason or rationale um, has, has gone by the wayside. And so, I, I mean, I, it's disconcerting to be sure, but it is um, heartening to see someone like Rachel Notley stand up um, for our resource sector. I, I mean, frankly, of all people, <laughs> that's doing it. But she also understands the politics of this. She's the first NDP um, premier elected in Alberta's history. She likes governing. Libby, and she wants to get perhaps re-elected in well, a couple
1: of years. Well, that's so a, she knows, um, you know what uh, what needs to be what needs to be done. Abso- absolutely, that's that's a, a bit of a ways off. She's she's already had a, a choppy time in there. But do you think this is good for the conservatives who are about to uh, elect their leader? And um, does that mean that? they will really have a chance to differentiate themselves from two parties that are, you know, quite a bit on the left, especially if the NDP goes this way.
3: Yeah, I think it's only problematic for the Conservatives, Libby, in that very rarely in Canadian history do you have a successful Conservative government or a winning Conservative uh, government unless you have a strong NDP, because this is a three-party country. Right, to split the vote. Yeah, to split the vote. And I think that it's going to be very hard for the conservatives moving forward now with that said they have an opportunity themselves the conservative party of canada does to present um you know a more thoughtful alternative to the liberals and maybe there are a lot of liberals that held their nose and voted for justin trudeau in this last election that might be sort of those you know red tories that went liberal and maybe in a few couple of years time they'll uh, be prepared to look at a new leader and and see what the conservative party has to offer but ultimately i have a very hard time seeing um the ndp being even remotely successful as they were in 2011 or even for the handful of 44 seats that they managed to hold on to in 2015 particularly because of the quebec politics and um that's for tories if they if they want to win and you know the next election which by by the way i don't think they will um they have to start looking at you know the Quebec factions of of um, different lines of their party and even siphoning off Liberal votes.
1: Yeah, it's we don't. Do. We we only have a little bit of time left. But do you think that the Conservatives will choose to go further right or further center?
3: I think that they are going to remain um, a center right party. They're going to have they will have their values and their principles. Um, that, that stay the same, but I think you're going to see a little bit more moderation when it comes to some of the policies that they put forward. But ultimately, it's going to depend on who they elect as as their leader.
1: Adrian, before we go, do you have any uh, theories or picks for who might be a strong NDP leadership candidate?
3: Oh boy,
1: that name! Uh, that, uh, someone asked me that earlier, and it's very tough to say
3: um, because I can honestly not name one of the backbench NDP. I can't name one of the NDP MP, MPs that is, is is a strong force. Maybe it is uh, this Abby Lewis. Maybe it's going to be someone outside of the party um, party uh, apparatus right now, someone non-elected. I mean, Sid Ryan have been a big big face and name in, in the NDP movement, um, you know, maybe he would be someone that would, would consider this. But what's what's uh, what I can assure you is uh, the people sitting back and enjoying this the most are the liberals.
1: <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, I would think so. Anyway, Adrian, thank you so much for your insight. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.